As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. And welcome to another unbelievable classic replay. I'm Ruth Jackson, and this week we're delving back into the archives. Let's jump in on today's discussion. Today on the show, we're asking, is toxic masculinity a problem in the church? Well, Carl Thompson of the US men's ministry, Undaunted Life, he's here today defending the value of championing masculinity in the church. Uh, He's in conversation today with Martin Saunders, Deputy CEO of Youthscape in the UK, whose book, The Man You're Made to Be, is a guide for young Christians. Uh, He says we need to leave behind unhelpful stereotypes and help our young people make sense of masculinity in today's world. So we're asking, do we have a toxic masculinity problem in the church today? Martin and Kyle, welcome along to the show. It's great to have you both with me. Um, Martin, we'll introduce you first. Um, If people were to search way back in the archives of Unbelievable, they would find an appearance when we were both colleagues at Premier back in the day. I don't know if you remember that, that, that occasion when you appeared on the show. I do. I do. You you asked me to go. You said, "Can you do an unbelievable episode uh-huh. uh, in an hour, uh-huh. uh, please?" Because the guy who we'd booked to do it has pulled out. I, I sense that might have happened again. Uh, but uh, but you said you said the guy's pulled out, uh, and the person you're up against is Philip Pullman, mm. the acclaimed uh, atheist children's author. <laughs> and so I had to go toe to toe with one of the world's most prominent new atheists at the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think I you think did a nice good job. From you did a good job, actually. Oh, uh, you know, good enough that you came back on uh, another time. So oh, good. Um, so lovely. It, it's lovely to catch up with you again. Um, you, you now obviously uh, have, have moved on to higher and better things. Tell us about what youth, Youthscape is uh, and, and your role there. Yeah, so we are uh, a youth ministry based here in the UK. We work with young people uh, locally in the town of Luton, where the ministry is based. Uh, And that's really the sort of where we're rooted. Uh, But we actually also work nationally with youth leaders uh, and with young people directly. We run conferences and events. We create resources. Uh, My big project at the moment is launching Satellites, which is a new uh, festival for young people, which uh, which starts in August 2022, and we're hoping to gather uh, about 5,000 young people uh, there to hear about what it might mean to put God at the centre of your life. That's a pretty crazy, um, you know, message to be giving to teenagers in the UK in 2022. But I'm excited about it. I believe in it. I've given my life to it. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. Well, my teenage son will be there uh, next time. Right. So, um, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Um, uh, tell us about the man you made to be. This came out a year or two back now. Um, but but what what yeah. what made you want to write this particular book, Martin? Uh, yeah. So well, there's a couple of reasons why I wrote in the first place. So uh, one was in in the role I'm in, in in youth ministry. People from time to time come up and say we'd really appreciate it if someone would create a resource like this and there there really wasn't anything coming from a british perspective for teenage boys which just had anything to say about what it means to uh make jesus your role model to to grow up as a young man make sense of what all of that stuff and the changes you're going through uh and uh, and and then you know, do that from a Christian perspective. There's uh, quite a lot of stuff in the States, obviously, um, that, that's aimed at that, but but nothing really British. But mm. the, probably the main reason I wrote it is because I have a son who was turning 13. Uh, 
And I actually felt like, wow, he is, he's about to enter into a very, very complicated world. And he's got to make sense of what it means to be a, be a good godly man in that, uh, in that context. And that terrified me enough that I sat down and wrote a book about it. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, and uh, I've really yeah. enjoyed reading the book. It's very funny and you are a very funny writer. And, and that was always the case whenever you, you wrote for the magazines that, that you were part of while you were at premier. But, um, yeah, so, so I, I've enjoyed reading it as well. Um, you're very kind, Justin. Well, thank you. No, it's, it's, it's true. Um, so, so anyway, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Um, uh, returning after, I don't know, 12 years or something since you were last on. Um, it's, it's great to have you back. Um, and looking forward to, yeah, this discussion with Kyle. So Kyle, welcome to the show for the first time. Um, tell us about Undaunted Life. Uh, it's a, it's a men's ministry. That's how I've described it anyway. What, what's it for? Why did you, uh, create, create this ministry? Yeah, so it kind of goes back to something, Martin, even that you just said. At the age of 13, my parents got divorced, which makes me incredibly common because everybody in America gets divorced. It's like 50-50 chance or whatever. But that creates a little bit of an internal dialogue, right? But then at the age of 15, I decided to accept Christ and to become a Christian. And so at the same time, I was trying to surmise what it means to be a man. I was trying to figure out what it meant to be a Christian. And my paradigm at the time was that the manly men were somewhere else. And the godly men were inside the church. I didn't see a lot of overlap between those two, uh, those two respective groups, right? And again, that's, that's the thoughts of a, of a young child. But then as you get older and as I got older, I found that that dichotomy stayed for a lot of people. That a lot of the manly men didn't think there was anything that the church or that Jesus could offer them. And they thought that their services would be better used otherwise. And so I literally felt a calling. And, and I hate when people say that because people are like, do you feel called to go to this restaurant or that restaurant? It's kind of a, a weird deal. Like, what, what filter do you put that through to make sure that it's true? But I literally felt called to do something about this because I felt like guys that were a little rougher around the edges, guys that maybe didn't fit that typical church guy mold, that they would miss out on who, who Jesus was because they would walk into his church, see his male followers and be like, ah, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that guy. I don't see my guy or the type of man that I want to be in that guy right there that I'm supposed to be modeling after. And so it really started with a devotional that I put on the Version Bible app, a 21-day devotional that did surprisingly well. Um, and then that led into the podcast, which has kind of springboarded us until today. And our mission with Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness. Um, we try to keep it as simple as possible because here in America, we have a lot of issues going on culturally and not all of them have to do with Donald Trump, regardless of what the international papers say. But there's a lot of issues that are happening for people and men are ill-equipped to push back on darkness, whether it's critical race theory or gender issues or, you know, pornographic material in public school libraries and elementary schools. These men, they know they're angry about it, but they don't have the foggiest idea how to push back. And so we're going to go into those subject matters that most pastors won't touch because they're too hot so that we can equip these men to be able to push back against these darknesses and we do that by providing content like that that helps men develop and uh really cultivate spiritual mental and physical resilience mm. and there's mm. there's a lot of reasons behind spiritual mental physical a lot of reasons behind the word resilience but uh we got to argue because this is a debate podcast so we we might want to you know get along with it <laughs> okay well look I'm, I'm looking forward to some really masculine debate tonight on the show um I, just before we come back to you martin and maybe talk a little bit about the whole idea of of you know is the church too feminized a certain do certain kinds of men not feel you know at home in the church because they they feel hey you know the, my kind of masculinity isn't represented there what what did you make kyle because this was really what prompted me to bring you on of of that show we did with christian coves de may now that was just a one-to-one -one kind of live stream that i did with her but but you would have liked the chance to kind of push back on some of the things she was saying what what in particular did you find that she said that that kind of rankled you uh, there were a lot of things, uh, to be honest, but hopefully this conversation can be a little bit of my William Wallace moment where I'm out here to try to pick a fight uh, uh, with her and maybe she will come on so that we can have a proper discussion about it. But I feel like and I know I have to be nice because this is an English audience and you pride yourself on your politeness and I'm Absolutely. from the South and we're polite as well. Good. But as I'm reading her book, it felt like leftist American University, you know, just intellectual just trash. And what I mean by that, again, because I got to be nice, I got to be nice, is that this is a person that did the research, that had dozens of citations, and yet drew the complete wrong conclusions about almost everything that she, she discussed. And without getting into all the different things that are a part of that book, she tries to boil everything down to this 
this vague idea in the ether of white cisgendered patriarchy. Like that was like kind of her core thing about her book. And she doesn't really describe what the problem actually is, which is it's a sin problem in the church. Because I would agree with her about these high-profile Christian leaders that have insulated themselves. I mean, Justin, you've talked about it with a guy like Ravi Zacharias. I've talked about it on my show. When you have these men that you know fall into their own trap of the cult of celebrity and cult of personality, it's easy to look at that as like, oh, you see, that's the patriarchy. And yet we're giving short shrift to the consideration of sin. I thought she did a, uh, a really egregious thing conflating you know, Trump supporters and American evangelicals and American evangelicals that support Trump because most of the people that I know that voted for Donald Trump did so with their noses plugged because he was closer – his governance style was closer to some sort of a biblical ethic than a Joe Biden or, or, or a Hillary Clinton. But, you know, I don't think it's nearly as interesting to get into the American political topic well, of it. But yeah, that's um, essentially. We, you know, we, we've had plenty of shows where we've done that anyway. But it's helpful to kind of hear kind of what, what your concerns were, at least. Now, I'm not, I haven't invited you here, Martin, to, to defend Christine Kobe's Dumay, and, and you may not have even had a chance to listen to that particular show. But, um, but, but I mean, generally, you know, those kinds of criticisms that, you know, especially mm. perhaps in US evangelical circles, there, there is this kind of oppressive patriarchy um, and, and that we need to, to watch out for. Um, do, do you mm. share any of those concerns? Do, what, what, how do you navigate that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, it was, so first of all, it's a very, I'm on very shaky ground as a Brit who visits and loves America quite often, uh, but doesn't really understand uh, American politics much beyond just what I see on Saturday Night Live, really. That's about, <laughs> that's about as much as I sort of grasp. It is wild to me that Trump got elected. Like it just looking on from across the, the other side of the, the pond it, it is crazy to me that that christians looked at him and some of the things that he was saying and uh, you i guess from a morality point of view just like the sort of person that you will allow to lead you it, it, it doesn't make sense to me but i also acknowledge that i don't understand the complexities of american culture you know another i maybe we just go straight in on this but you know another thing that really baffles me is the kind of american right to bear arms and the um the obsession that a lot of americans and, and even american christians seem to have with the the fact that they they deserve to be able to defend themselves and have a gun uh you know to me having grown up in a context and a culture where um uh you know we just don't have guns over here you know that there's there's a few weapons but thank thank god we don't have a gun problem here so it's hard for me to comment into those kind of scenarios and but but i just want to acknowledge both those things that it's absolutely wild to me you know i look at my brothers and sisters in america who i love and i think how are you making these decisions and then also i acknowledge i'm a brit yeah. we don't have gun problem here and you know we don't have trump so you know so i, I to some extent mm -hmm. I, I can only comment so much um, I haven't listened to it's one of the um, very few the that you show. haven't listened to, obviously, um, but, uh, but I, I think I the, the question of kind of, <laughs> I think that's a great point. I, you I know, if you'd invited me on a little bit sooner than 12 years, <laughs> I might, and it, but I, I mean, the, the, I might not. All of that is, is a given. You're, but, you're not, um, you know, we haven't invited you on as an expert of American yeah. culture and, uh, and politics and, and society, but, um, I mean, you're, you're as aware, as, as I'm sure both of us are, of some of the high-profile scandals that have taken place. Um, people have fallen, you know, um, Bill Hybels, Ravi Zacharias, um, yep. the guy who, the Hillsong guy. Um, Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz um, and others. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, do you, Yeah. what do you put that down to, Martin? Because others have said that there's a kind of, there is a kind of hyper-masculinity type of problem behind this. There's there's something going on there that's 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 unhealthy you know i i think there's really unhealthy masculinity in in the church all mm. around the world for sure i think there's and i think carl would agree with that i think there's 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 going to be unhealthy kinds of masculinity going on i wonder whether more it, it's the cult of celebrity pastors that creates what you're talking about there i think it's more when you put someone on a pedestal in a way that is entirely unbiblical like there's nowhere in scripture where where it tells you to kind of put mm put people on 
on pedestals like this. You know, Jesus says I should call no man father. You know, it, it's 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 mad to me again. You know that we that we have these churches where literally, like, you can pay an extra three thousand dollars to sit in the inner circle of seating. You know, I mean, Jesus would have a field day with this stuff. I think so. I would put it more down to kind of the way that we build up, particularly male. I don't see it happen with I don't see it happen with female leaders. But I don't know if that's about masculinity or more to do with the fact that we have a patriarchy. We have a patriarchal system in church where men tend to be in the higher, most senior leadership positions. And I think it's the celebrity pastor syndrome and the downfall, the pitfalls of platform that create these scandals. They put people on untenable platforms mm. where you will at some point, you're going to be under so much pressure from the enemy and you are uh, also getting so much money and there's so many, you know, there's so many reasons why you're going to slip up uh, that it, it hardly surprises me that celebrity pastors fall. Yeah. Kyle, do, would you agree with that diagnosis? To a degree, I would. And I obviously agree because I've already mentioned the fact that I think when we celebritize uh, these people, you forget who you're worshiping. So if you if you worship at the altar of Carl Lentz and Hillsong's music, it's going to be a problem for you. And, and Justin, I thought it was uh, incredibly appropriate whenever you spoke about the Ravi Zacharias thing, because two weeks before the scandal broke, I did a podcast called R.A.P. Ravi Zacharias. And then it's like, great, now I got to deal with this part. But when you have people that start deconstructing their faith, the moment a fallible human falls, I think that creates a massive, massive issue to where they're questioning, wait a minute, I was saved when Ravi Zacharias spoke live or on a podcast or something like that. And now was I really saved because he was a gross sexual predator? And I think that that becomes the issue is because we're focusing on the man in the pulpit, not the man, you know, to, at the right hand of God. And so I think that's where the, the biggest issue is, is like, where are we putting our focus? And I was thinking about this and I was talking with some friends earlier this week. I don't remember these early church fathers thinking about their personal brand. Right. And their ability to have this wide level of influence. I'm pretty sure they were worried about making God famous and not themselves. What do you make of the argument that church has become too feminized, Kyle? Um, you know, Jesus, my boyfriend songs, uh, emotional, touchy feely stuff is kind of what people are into in churches. And and I have heard it said, you know, a lot of guys, it's, uh, it's not my thing. So uh, church isn't the place for me. Presumably that's the kind of thing that you were seeing and what, what inspired you to create Undaunted Life. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's even really a question that the modern church has been overly feminized. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But in terms of our discussion for today, I think the main reason, if I had to peg kind of one main reason, it's we have this overemphasis on the Lamb of God and we completely ignore the Lion of Judah. Right. So we take the easy parts of who Jesus was, the Jesus meek and mild, the Jesus walking around, holding a lamb, kissing people on the tips of their noses, saying how cute they look that day. And we forget about the, the other parts of that personality. But also, Justin, I feel like a lot of it has to do with how Jesus is portrayed in culture and in the church. So in film, in television, in artwork, he's portrayed as like this effeminate, soft featured, dirty, blonde hair, blue eyed Danish model. And not like this kind of rough and tough, like not incredibly attractive Middle Eastern Jewish carpenter, right? It's like when I look at pictures that are depicted of Jesus, I'm like, who is this person? I was like, because I'm pretty sure Jesus of Nazareth didn't look anything like that. Uh, you mentioned uh, the modern worship music. I have an entire episode. It's one of our most popular episodes called Contemporary Worship Music is for Women and Effeminate Men. And one of the biggest reasons why I feel like men get turned off from the church is because they listen to these songs and they don't exactly know why they don't want to sing it. But then I tell them, I'm like, okay, the next time it says the word Jesus or, or God, just plug in the name Larry. And that's why you're not singing those songs. Because <laughs> it sounds like you're singing to this, this guy that you want to bring close to your bosom and cuddle with and not the creator God of the universe or his son. And so I think there's a whole lot more that we can go into there. But I think that there's... It really boils down to the type of presentation that the church puts out there, and they're putting out the, the, the wrong the wrong type of okay. bait to get mm. men. Martin, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there's a good question, isn't there, about who worships for? You know, like, we can get very consumeristic about, about church. Like, oh, church, I don't like the songs that they sing at church. Mm. I don't like the way that they, you know, I'm going to go to a different church down the road where they sell more sing more masculine songs uh, well at that point who who you even worship like what is the who's who is it you're worshiping who's worship for and worship is for like 
God. It's for it's for Jesus. It's for this unbelievably beautiful kind of centerpiece of all creation that we stand before and just go, wow. You know, that's who worship's for, not not for us going, oh, I, I don't like because they do hell song down the road. So I'm going to go to, I, uh, you know, I'm going to go and um, uh, go to this other church that sings that stuff. So I don't like that. I'd also say I, I have felt a little bit of that discomfort. Like, to be really honest, I have felt that little discomfort in singing some songs where I'm like, oh, this is this is basically a love song. And I, and go, I do go think on, give that, me an example. Worst oh, offenders, gosh. Can you sing it? Can you sing it for us, actually, Martin? Uh, well, no, I can't. But um, I mean, the, the, this the sort of ocean song by by Hillsong, you know, about sort of walking along the waves and 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 feeling my feet lapping against the the sand. And I, I just I, I don't even know what that's even about. Maybe you found that a bit too sentimental or something. I mean, I don't know whether it was the necessarily it was kind of too lovey dovey yeah. or, or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know if that yeah. one was. Yeah. So I, so all I'm saying is I. I kind of see that. However, I'm 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 pretty secure in the fact that I'm a kind of heterosexual man. I don't feel any threat to that by telling Jesus that I love him. Uh, in fact, I don't feel any threat to that by telling other men that I love them. I think that's a really healthy thing. Um, and I and I I do think you know there are some beautiful old songs, you know, and and actually some great new songs that I love singing that. But I, I do, never feel that's any feel threat to my Kyle singing something like "Jesus, I love you" or, or whatever. Do you, do you, do you object to that kind of a, a lyric? No, that that's kind of this this caricature masculine thing that we don't ever tell anyone we love them. We you, we don't do any of those types mm. of things. But mm. to Martin's point, where I would agree and disagree is. I don't care about the music style either because you've probably heard – well, in America, it's like, well, are you an elevation music person or are you a Hillsong mm, music mm. person? And it's and then I'm like, I'm the third category. Whatever the third box is, it's just not my cup of tea. It's not my style of music. Mm. I like stuff that's quite a bit heavier. But I listen to, to metal music that is gospel-centered, and the lyrical content is absolutely incredible and theological and all that. But the, the problem that people get into is if you're being introduced to church, that's what you think God is. That's what you think godliness is, and I feel like it's confusing for a lot of people because they're not getting the record straightened to them from their effeminate pastor or from anybody else in the church. Now, you've used this a phrase a couple of times, effeminate men, effeminate pastors, and so on. Um, it reminds me, if I'm honest, of, of a bit of the Mark Driscolls. Um, you know, he, he tended to use that, and he had this famous tweet that was one yeah. of many that got him into a bit of trouble about, you know, effeminate worship pastors and so on. Um, I mean are you being a bit pejorative there kyle you know men come in all flavors and shapes is there a problem with being a less masculine slash more effeminate man for want of a better word well i know you and mark driscoll are really good friends off air so i don't want to say anything <laughs> that would you know make you think that i didn't think uh, that he was he was good at it but yeah uh, the thing with mark driscoll is because i don't know him personally i've never talked to the guy uh he seems uh but from all accounts that early on in his ministry maybe even till today he's done some very bullying things some very belittling things things that he said he was sorry for maybe he was sorry maybe he wasn't i don't really know but i think his style about asking men to be more masculine, to be more biblically masculine, to focus on things, to not, you know, put their testosterone in the back pocket, but actually to have it in the forefront is very, very important because the one of the things that I think Mark Driscoll got right, again, I've not followed his ministry very closely, so I'm by no means an apologist for Mark Driscoll, is I think he the reason why he was popular is that men were tired of being told to act like women. And Driscoll's like, no, no, I want you to act like I want you to act like men. He may have did an incomplete job of describing exactly what that is. But with Undaunted Life, we say a manly man is a man that cultivates spiritual, mental, and physical resilience on a daily basis. I, I told this to Martin when we talked off air. I don't care what you're into. I don't care if you're into you know stuff that I'm into, like you know fighting and four-wheel drive and meat and scotch and all those different things. And I don't care if you're into making artisan breakfasts and classical music and things that maybe people wouldn't consider to be typically masculine. Those things don't make you a man. But I think if we if we go to Scripture and we see examples from men in Scripture, there's no definition of what a godly man is in Scripture explicitly, but we do get a, a sense of it, and it doesn't have a lot to do with people that are completely controlled and consumed by their emotions all the time. M Martin, what, what's your take on the way Carl sort of, yeah, feels that we, we there is a kind of form of masculinity that, that is not being represented in, in churches very much? 
Well, I mean, first of all, I wonder whether we're gendering things that don't need to be gendered. I, I don't know if styles of music are masculine or feminine. I'm not, I'm not sure that's a thing. I mean, I, I, know, I know women who love the sort of music. I, I listened to the start of one of your podcasts, mm. Kyle, and my word, that is a forceful piece of music you have there at the start. And is that, is that a worship? Is that a worship song at the start? Uh, yeah, so that's a band called August Burns Red. Uh, two of their members are very, very devout Christians. They used to be what you could call a Christian band, but yes, it's it's more that style. But it's like screamy heavy metal. But I, you yeah. know, I know plenty plenty of women love that kind of music. So I'm not sure that's masculine music or feminine music. So I I, I just wonder whether we gender things. I'm really interested in this idea of uh, a biblical masculinity um, and what you where you know if we're talking about characters from the bible mm -hmm. and saying like the things that they display are an example of biblical masculinity because as far as i read the old testament actually you know <laughs> i mean as far as i read the old testament it's a it's a series of uh of guys mainly it's mainly men because that's the culture that was a patriarchal culture all the way through uh who essentially screw up over and over again so they that god calls these men and they fail like that's basically the story of the old testament is like failure after failure after failure and then with the redemption story of jesus and so for me like if we're going to construct a picture of biblical masculinity i want to spend 10 percent of that time thinking about those guys who messed up throughout the old testament and i really want to focus on Jesus, the person of Jesus. I do agree with you, though, Kyle, that we we focus so heavily on one characteristic of Jesus, that Jesus essentially that he was kind, that Jesus was right. like this lovely, kind man. Oh, my goodness. Read the New Testament. Jesus is rude. He's like <laughs> angry. He picks fights. He literally yeah. goes, he, a Pharisee invites him for dinner. And like all we read is like straight away. Uh, I think it's like Luke 11. He, he, it's just straight, straight away, the first thing he does is he's like, hey, let me tell you seven things that are wrong with you and your friends. It's like, <laughs> just let it, the man serve you the starter, for goodness sake. And Jesus is, but we have Jesus in this box that is like, oh, he's meek, he's mild. And that's not who Jesus is. So I'm, I'm just interested. I'd love to hear more from Kyle, really, okay. about well, biblical masculinity. We'll, we'll do that after a quick break. And um, maybe we'll return to Mark Driscoll as well. And, and talk about the gender imbalance in church as well, because I think that's that's quite pertinent to the discussion today. Um, toxic masculinity, that's our subject today. Is it a problem in the church? My guests are Kyle Thompson and Martin Saunders. We'll be back in a moment. Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I've got a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time. And some of Tom's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask and You Write Anything and Unbelievable going strong because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can today and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash unbelievable show. That's premierinsight.org forward slash unbelievable show. Thank you. talking about toxic masculinity and the church kyle thompson of the u.s men's ministry undaunted life joins me in conversation with martin saunders deputy ceo of youthscape here in the uk and author of the man you're made to be um i did want to ask you martin just before we we go on to other topics um what your perspective on mark driscoll is uh, as the names come up already uh, <laughs> especially since Kyle, I think, saying essentially, OK, yeah, he obviously got things wrong and uh, don't follow him entirely. But, you know, basically, the reason we're more attracted to his style of ministry was because he kind of put masculinity back on the map um, and, and that kind of thing. Um, so 
what what's your feeling on on the mark driscoll sort of phenomenon uh well you know aware is a badge of honor that mark driscoll has blocked me on twitter <laughs> uh, <laughs> and i did write a few spicy things around really around the fact that british ministries were inviting him to come and speak over here so uh, I don't want to get too personal, but he feels to me from having read a fair amount of what he's written and and uh, and certainly listened to some of the, the I haven't listened to the rise and fall thing, which I know is very popular. Um, but uh, having listened to some of his talks over the years, I think you would have an example there of a man who's uh, who's gifting and skills outpaced his character. And so he was um, a phenomenal Bible teacher. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I've heard have heard him preach and thought, wow, he's taught me some stuff there. Um, but I think the way that he came across was very arrogant. And he clearly, you know, he did some stuff, some bullying stuff. And he did a lot of things, which I just think, re- really, is that what we want in our leaders? I've, I feel like he basically disqualified himself as someone who should be held up on our platforms as a leader and a role model. So uh, I, I'm not a huge fan. But, um, but, you know, again, I'm a long way away. But, but you see, the things that, in a way, there were two sides of the coin, I feel, with, with Mark Driscoll. Um, and a lot of the things that inevitably became the things that led to his downfall, um, kind of in mo- more in moderation, were seen as, you know, great attractions. You know, he was this kind of like willing to say it as it is and, you know, not pull his punches and kind of be a bit out there and, and and kind of people thought, oh, he's fresh. He's kind of interesting. He's not, you know, just sort of, and and I think that's, you know, but obviously you take that too far and, you know, you end up damaging people and everything else. So, so where, I mean, is there some happy medium, Kyle? Do you, do you think we do need people with a bit more kind of leaders with, with, with a bit more willingness to say tough stuff and, and, uh, and whatever, um, a bit like Mark Driscoll uh, or, or, you know, have we learned our lesson and we, we decided, hey, no, that, that kind of style of ministry just shouldn't be pursued? I certainly hope not, uh, because I feel like I'm cut from the Driscoll cloth, if you will. But Martin, my life's work is to make sure that my talent and gifting doesn't outpace my character, right? That my charisma and my ability to scream into a microphone for 45 minutes at a time, it doesn't overpower who I'm supposed to be pointing to. Because, again, I think in all these different people that we've mentioned, we've mentioned a lot of great men of the faith, right? A lot of the things that they were doing were to build themselves up and to build up their personal brand. And I feel like if I ever get into, like, it, the point being undaunted life or the point being me and not the, the, the gospel and not Jesus and not pointing people to the Father, that's where it becomes a large issue. But I do think that that messaging and that style, that forceful, forthright style, which is my style, is very appropriate and useful in a lot of situations. Okay, so what about um, the gender imbalance in the church? Let's talk about that a bit as well. Um, I think there's a pretty similar scenario in most churches in the US as there is in the UK, which is about two thirds women, one third men. Um, And uh, again, there are theories out there. I'd be interested in both your takes on this, that actually, um, A, the the reason for that is this this feminization thing of the church and so so on. B, that, you know, some church growth theorists say, hey, if you want to bring a whole family to church, you've got to get the guy. Um, you'll, uh, th- there's all this sort of stuff. Now, Christine Kobes de May, when we talked about that, was, you know, was skeptical of that kind of theory. Um, but, but what do you make of it, Kyle, first? And, and then, Martin, what, what is, is, what's behind the fact that there is this, this gender, um, you know, uh, imbalance in churches? Yeah, I really think that, Men in general, they go where they're needed, okay? And the if, if they're not needed somewhere, they're going to go wherever they want to be. And so if church, and I'm using that as kind of a macro term here, if it feels like the church is not for them, if they feel like the church is repulsing them or repelling them even, they'll just go do something else. Like most guys aren't that big of a glutton for punishment where they'll keep coming back for the same level of rejection. But I think it, it's good to talk about these things philosophically, especially with guys like you that obviously, you know, you think about this topic, you write on this topic, you know, you discuss this topic. But to get a little bit granular, if you don't mind, Justin, I think most churches need to stop worrying about men's events and start worrying about making their churches man friendly. 
And, and I certainly did not come up with this concept. Very, very quick story. A, a mutual friend of mine introduced me to somebody on the East Coast here in the United States. It was a pastor that he mentioned on his show as being one of the greatest men's ministry pastors he's ever seen. And I'm like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. And so I connect with him and I ask him, I'm like, okay, you know, my buddy said that you're one of the greatest men's ministry pastors that he knows of. What do you do for men's ministry? And he just kind of starts laughing. He's like, what do you mean men's ministry? And I was like, Oh, I, I think I may have gotten connected with the wrong person. Like I was told that you were the guy, you're the guru, right? I should, you know, bow to your feet and listen to your lessons. And he said, look, we don't do men's programming. Our church is man friendly. I consider the men when I'm building out my sermon content. We consider the men when we're building out our musical selection. And if we do a program, it's because it's an extension of something that we already do within this, within this place, because most churches, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in the United States, most churches will have the men's ministry pastor using air quotes for those just listening. But that's at the end of a lot of other titles. They're the Sunday school pastor and the parking lot sweeping uh, cleanup pastor and the cleaning the toilets pastor and also the men's ministry pastor. And what they do is they'll do a men's event once a quarter or once a year. They bring in some, you know, retired football player that used to chase women and drink beer. And then he's given all that up and you should be like me now and accept Jesus and that kind of thing. And then they just call it good. And that's what they do for men's ministry. But again, I think churches are focusing on the wrong thing. They're checking the boxes on men's ministry by doing a program and they're not focusing actually on the men. I mean, just co coming back to you then, Martin, on this, what do you make of the concept of men's ministry? And here's another little funny thing uh, in our past history. I don't suppose you remember a, a men's conference called Man-Sized Issues. Uh, that, you, that you helped to to name back in the day for 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 premier uh one perhaps one of the only men's conferences we've ever actually done but um uh yeah what's your take Dave, generally on the idea of uh of, of men's ministries and, and and that kind of thing uh, first of all can i just say that 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 conference the marketing department came to me and said we want to do a men's conference <laughs> I don't know if you have these in America, but they have these things called, I think they've stopped them now. They used to have these, uh, these tissues called, like handkerchief tissues, called man-sized tissues. And so as a joke, I said, what about man-sized issues? And they were like, that's brilliant. And suddenly it was on a poster. <laughs> I, I think you should bring it back i'll come speak hey let, let's make this happen I, I i don't know i don't know what to say but i suppose premier can't fire me anymore so i uh, i thought it was yeah. a brilliant title personally i i loved it um anyway yeah. um <laughs> yeah yeah well anyway we'll uh, regardless of the names what what do you yeah, think yeah. Of, of, of men's conferences men's ministries you know uh is is there a place for that um what do, and what do you think of carl's point that actually you, you need to make your church man friendly not just put on an event for men I, well i think so uh, there's a slightly broader point which is we need to we need to make our churches work for a much broader range of what we might call seekers so that it feels to me like there's a certain type of person male or female, who will turn up at a, a church and go, oh, yeah, that, that seems like a good place to hang out. But I think it's quite a small sliver of the general population. And I wonder whether, you know, we need to think a lot more broadly about what church looks and feels like. Not to be consumeristic, but just, just to be real, like, where else? If you're like the CEO of a company or something, or you're even like in middle management in a company, where else in your life do you have to go and sit and listen to a guy who does is not really prepared and he's not terribly funny for half an hour like for half an hour you wouldn't you wouldn't sit and listen to a stand-up comedian that long without going out to get a beer you know but 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 at church that's what we do so so i think for some people you know that that that's just a barrier straight away now interestingly i think women because we live in a patriarchal society and we need to talk about the way things are not the way that we wish they were um so because we live in a in a in a culture where w women have been kind of the you know men have been in most of the positions of power and leadership you know throughout our lifetimes and way before that women are more likely to kind of just be used to having to sit and listen to a bloke go on for half an hour whereas i think men generally might like react to that more quickly so i so to just to go from there i do think 
I do think there's a real place for men's and women's ministry because men and women are different. There are some ways in which men and women are different. And we have these very clear ideas of gender in culture. And we tend to skew towards them. Like some people react against them. But generally speaking, we, we tend to skew towards gender stereotypes, generally speaking. And so we want to reach everyone. We want to tell everyone about Jesus, right? And so we have to be pragmatic. So I think in an ideal world, for me, in an ideal world, you wouldn't need men's ministry and women's ministry because all would be equal and we could just have ministry. But that's not reality. So I think there's a place, of course, for men's and women's events and what what about the type of of kind of men's ministry though um and i don't know for you kyle what that means Uh, does it mean i don't know going out bow hunting or something you know and sort of doing some something really you know quote unquote masculine together or what 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 constitutes kind of doing something that engages men in a kind of christian context I love when you bring up manly things, you make your voice lower and you grovel a little bit. I think that's perfect. It's right on brand with what we're talking about. Well, Kyle, he doesn't know what bow hunting I, is. Have you, have you ever held a bow and shot it at something you intended to kill? Not, never something I've intended to kill. I have, I have done a bit of archery, okay. you know. All right. So, there you so. go. Archery, a little, little plastic bow and arrow. That's great. Uh, but here's the thing. I'll tell you what, what I like to do. Right. And so and then I'll kind of make it out to a more macro point. So I have a group of guys that get together on Sunday nights at a jujitsu academy here in our town. We're all reading the same book at the same time. Right. And it could be a book on uh, marriage. It could be a book on apologetics. It could be a book on, you know, uh, how the Federal Reserve came to be here in the United States. It's a myriad of topics. We spend the first 30 to 45 minutes discussing what we got from the reading for that week. And then I usually lead everyone through a, a exceptionally brutal workout. And then we train jujitsu. And, the, you know, for most of these guys, these aren't professional fighters. These weren't collegiate wrestlers or Olympic level athletes. They're just guys ranging in age from early 20s to, you know, late 40s. And that's what we do to cultivate community. It's something that I call in my ministry called a foxhole. It's a group of people that are a group of men that are constantly pushing each other to cultivate spiritual, mental and physical resilience on a daily basis. But we're trying to do something that is of interest to us that we think is making us better, because one of the things we feel like we're called to do is to be protectors. And it's kind of hard to be a protector if you don't know how to protect yourself. How are you going to protect someone else? I just talked about on my podcast recently about these people that were being assaulted and as opposed to interceding. Americans were pulling out their phones and videotaping it as a woman was raped for 27 stops on a train with other people on the train car. As a woman was punched in the face on a on a busy train car in New York City, no one tried to intercede. So I don't want to get off into the other point. That's what I have my own show for. But I think the macro point is, is that getting together with a group of guys, because even in your book, Martin, I think you, you gave a paragraph or two to male fellowship, because I, I don't know that it's a big time focus for a lot of men, being with other men to cultivate. And that's where I get into the thing. I don't care what you're into. If you're all getting together to learn how to cook a really, really good, something like I can't even think a really good pasta dish. Great. Do it to the glory of God. Do it. Everything in the excellence therein to the glory of God as you're building community together, because when the chips are down and you get that three o'clock in the morning phone call, I surely hope you have godly men that you can call to help you out. Hmm. Um, I mean, what, what there has been, you know, books like wild at heart, John Eldridge, well-known one, various kinds of men's ministries and movements over the years. Um, do do you think Martin? I mean, what what for you constitutes a good a good way of attracting men yeah, to question. the church? What what's what's the kind of thing? Uh, you know, the Eldridge thing has been about you know men need a kind of a mission to live for, you know, a, a, an adventure mm. to fight, a, a story to conquer, whatever the the metaphors are. Um, so what's what's kind of is, is do you agree with that? Is uh, are we offering this to men? Are, are we or are we kind of offering something that's just not the story they want to live in somehow yeah i again i I think i've said this already i think we're in danger of gendering things that don't need to be gendered so i go to my local park just out here and uh on a a saturday morning and a sunday morning that almost the church in the town where i live is this thing called british military fitness kyle you would you would love it okay (laughs) when we're back from the shooting trip you're coming here to do british military fitness i am in and it's basically a guy who was a kind of high it'll be guys are fairly high up in the british army and they take these people through their paces they basically do military training with them 
and I I love to sit and watch them maybe with a sausage roll or something, <laughs> uh, just to just enjoy watching other people suffer really. And but I would tell you way more than fifty percent of those people are women. Mm. So it, although that's kind of like a man, I mean, maybe he's a very good looking man, but uh, although it's a man leading the, the, the thing and it's kind of men from the British Army, they're all men, the instructors, but actually a majority of women kind of seem to love that. Now, I was just worried because we talked beforehand, Kyle. We talked yesterday, and, and you told me to bring my boxing gloves. So I have, I have brought them. <laughs> hey, wow. that is fantastic. Actually, I do have They them. look like they just came out of a package, though. <laughs> <laughs> they, I tell you what, they, they, um, they, they just, I've just picked the teeth of my brother Got it. out. Love it. Love it. Uh, no, the, um, no, they're my sons. And so my son is a really interesting example because he's, he's just turned 16. So he's read my book, The Man You Made mm -hmm. To Be. Uh, and he, um, and he's, he loves Jesus, but he's also like, oh my goodness, he would tick all your boxes masculinity like he he he, he loves kind of like spicy food and boxing he spends four sessions in the gym every week at least and kind of so he mm -hmm. he loves that sort of stuff but then i have other children i have a daughter who really bucks gender stereotypes she plays sport for a, a high level for a county uh you know and so she's not into any of the things that that girls would be be into so I, i'm slightly off your question Justin, but I think it's a really key point for me mm. that we sometimes gender things that don't need to be gendered. And and that, I think, is the well, root of Well, Martin, if, if, Justin, if you don't mind me hopping in here on yeah, something that Martin ahead. said, again, I don't really care what people are into and, and what they're drawn to. And if that maybe kind of goes over normal gender roles or gender stereotypes, I don't really care about that as much. I care about if they're developing a, their discipleship with Jesus. And, and going back to, to Wild at Heart and in full, you know, full honesty here, you know, John Eldridge is a personal mentor of mine. And Wild at Heart, I consider it to be the seminal men's ministry book ever written. I mean, it's sold over a million copies. And his big thing is, you know, it's it's a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. And you know what? Like, if, if you look at those things, that doesn't have anything to do with climbing mountains for some men. Because some the, the biggest, you know, thing that people go with John Eldridge, they're like, I live in the middle of London, or I live in Manhattan. Like, there's not mountains I can just go out to and talk to God while sitting on a rock. But that's not the point. People are missing the point entirely. The point is that that is the story of all of us. That for, for the typical man, we do have a battle to fight. It may not be in a foxhole in some godforsaken part of Germany in the early 19th century. You know, at the same time, we all do have an adventure to live. And if we're not called to singleness, there is a beauty to rescue. And so he uses some poetic language about how all those things are, but it's grounded in gospel truths. And I feel like people miss the forest for the trees, no pun intended, because, you know, they don't maybe feel as comfortable in a camping trip or when they're dirty or and they don't own a pair of hiking boots. It's not the point. That's caricature masculinity. And the thing that I would encourage you to encourage your son to do, who your son sounds awesome, I want to hang out with him. Uh, but like at the same time, it's, it's like, son, those boxes that you're checking, boxing and eating spicy food and going hunting with your Uncle Kyle Thompson in the United States, like <laughs> those are not things that make you a man. That does not make you a man. That is an outworking of the masculinity that God gave you as a gift, but that doesn't make you a man. Which, yeah, interesting. but Th I, I just would. Well, no, I love that, but uh, but to a point. But I also think I I think there are a lot of women who would listen to that list of of things. They might not want to rescue a beauty, um, but they 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 actually do feel like they're in a battle, and they do feel like they have an adventure in their lives. And and so I imagine there are women listening to this going, "Well, hang on, that's not just for men. Like I want those things as well." And so I don't know, I, I don't know why those are a man's kind of why is that a man's perspective, Kyle? Yeah, essentially, uh, I think John Eldridge's wife Stacy she has a book called Captivating, which is basically the opposite or or the yin to Wild at Heart's Yang, and it kind of talks about those things and and they go into a lot of biblical arguments. And I don't want to let my mentor down by you know d not describing his book uh, perfectly. Maybe he should come on and uh, have a go at Kristen if she would ever come on here. But that that's the type of thing is I think that there are very typical things that comes down to our creation, and you know then you get into complementarianism and egalitarianism. I don't know if we're going to get into that or not. But there is a scriptural basis for a lot of this that I think brushes up against who people feel like they are, which causes a lot of confusion. So, so am I getting the sense, Kyle, that you, you think these are kind of more kind of male centric kind of um, qualities, this adventure to live for, beauty to rescue and so on, that, that 
and, th- and that's sort of biblically grounded at some level. You think that there's a kind of a sense in which, yes, men are meant to be the rescuers, the the providers, the whatever. And 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 uh, while women may also feel that way, it's it's really a, a God given male characteristic. Those those kinds of things. I would say, if, in speaking broadly, I would say, yes, I would agree with that assessment. And for me, as I was kind of thinking through what this conversation was going to be, because you, you never know before you walk into something, I was reminded in Genesis 3 when uh, God was talking to Eve and saying that, you know, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And I feel like from that moment forward, you know, from the very beginning, we were guaranteed to have this struggle between the role of the man and the role of the woman and how those things were going to coalesce together into a godly relationship. And so Eve's desire became, you know, opposing Adam's leadership, right? And, and that was a sinful desire for her to oppose Adam's leadership. But Adam wasn't without sin by any stretch of the imagination because he traded in, you know, the, the role of headship and leadership over Eve for his desire to rule over Eve. And so that's part of the thing to kind of back up even a little bit, because I really want to hear from Martin on this particular subject is I, that's where I think people really miss the boat when they do men's ministry, right? The, these like they, these hyper-masculine dudes that bow hunt and drink scotch and you know, have beards and all that kind of stuff. They miss everything that was told to them as well. They talk about Ephesians 5, right? And they talk about, you know, wives submit to your husbands. And then they just kind of stop reading when it gets to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so I think for a lot of these men, they're, they're missing the boat when they're trying to go out and prescribe things as opposed to describing what they see around them. But I think this comes back to a, a fallen world Genesis 3 issue where egalitarianism really comes out of that Genesis 3 desire for Eve to basically subjugate the leadership of her husband or of Adam, her partner. Okay. So I'm, I'm guessing you're a complementarian at this point, Kyle. So you guess? Martin, <laughs> Martin, what, what's, what's your take on all of this? And, and Kyle obviously feels there, there is a kind of God givenness to, to, to the, the ways in which, you know, he's describing this, this kind of male leadership, essentially that, that that's what men really aspire to ultimately uh, to, to feel like they're, they're really kind of living uh, manly, godly lives in that sense. Um, where, where, mm. where do you stand on that? Well, so male leadership, I guess, in as described in Genesis, you're sort of post fall, aren't you? You're sort of mm-hmm. after the fall, a man becomes. So there's something almost like we're, we're in the broken world. We're in the fallen world when that happens. Um, I, I think we have then seen all throughout history, the outworkings of a broken fallen system which is broken and fallen in all sorts of different ways. But one of the ways that it has definitely been broken and, and fallen is the way that men have kind of grabbed all the power and taken all those leadership positions through history and then subjected women and subject, you know, subjugated women over thousands and thousands of years to create systems that then have kind of the ripples and effects today. So we could talk, as I said earlier, we can talk about how we wish things could be, but the reality is we're still, we're still very much living in a world which is incredibly so far, so far from equality across race and color and gender. It's not even close. So we're still very much in a building on like thousands of years of white men running the show. And generally they've made a, terrible go of it and so i'm not saying masculinity is a sin but some of the ways that that kind of that male advantage that's been granted through men grabbing the power right back at the start through just physical strength you know but but essentially then the way that that women and uh, uh and other groups really have been oppressed and pushed down over that time like that is those are the oppressive systems in the world and i and i'm not comfortable with with a with a christianity that says yeah this is good that looks at that and says that's good so wow. i i guess yeah. that's my kind of starting point Mm. Yeah, I would say I think it's overwrought when people talk about the subjugation of women because there are people that would read Ephesians 5. There would be people that would read uh, read into scriptures about things in terms of headship, and they would say, oh, well, that's not what I want to do. But it's an outworking. We've kind of smuggled in the second, third, and now fourth wave feminist mindset of, no, you know, women are equal to men in all areas that men are competing in, right? And so people talk about the, you know, the 
the faux gender wage gap. You know, they do a univariate analysis and they look at two people and they're like, oh, this person's making more than this other person. It's got to be because of their gender. But then when you go two or three or four levels deep, it's like, oh, the gender wage gap disappears when you control for a lot of other factors. But, you know, getting out of the sociological thing about gender and wages in, in America, coming back to the macro issue, I think for a, a lot of people, this this egalitarian mindset has caused issues for women that think they need to be competing at a certain level, that they're not they're not doing the things that God ha- would have for them because they feel like they need to put off having children until their 30s so that they can go off and get that corner office career. And then they get there and they realize this isn't where I wanted to be. Again, I'm painting with a broad brush here for anyone who's like getting all frustrated listening uh, to their phones or whatever. But that's the thing that I feel like a lot of people aren't really – they're giving not enough consideration to is to how are we built and what is the model? Because, Martin, you're making the exact right point is what if this was a Genesis 2 world that we were living in right now? What would that perfect relationship between an Adam and Eve or a descendant of Adam and Eve look like? Because we're certainly not there. All we can do is pick up the pieces and try to piece together what we're supposed to do in this post-Genesis 3 world that we're living in as it pertains to how we are to operate with the opposite sex. We'll go to a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment to finish up today's discussion. It's flown by um, and uh, we'll, we'll continue talking about this sort of I guess, complementarian kind of versus egalitarian sort of perspective that we've we've uh, gone into at this point in the show. Talking about uh, masculinity and the church, my guests are Martin Saunders and Carl Thompson. We'll be back in a moment. Kyle Thompson and Martin Saunders have been my guests today. Um, you can find out more about Kyle and Undaunted Life at the website, undaunted.life. And uh, Martin Saunders is uh, the author of The Man You're Made to Be, and I'll leave a link to that from today's show. But uh, youthscape.co.uk is the organisation that Martin is part of. Um, so we kind of got onto the subject of complementarianism there, essentially, Martin. Um, yeah, but just be interested in, in your thoughts on, on how that theology plays out in churches that do embrace it. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're an egalitarian, Martin. I don't want to assume but but i am yeah. absolutely 100 okay. percent, and and passionately so and so you know in, in terms of my role uh in in youth ministry um let's remember i'm not a theologian i work in youth ministry uh but uh in my role like i i spend a lot of time deliberately trying to elevate the voices of women and girls um and that's been something i've been very passionate about for the last 15 years of my of my job so what what do you make of do you do you have concerns over churches where there is a sort of more complementarian focus on the roles of men and women in in leadership well well first of all what i want to say is um like i've I've loved this conversation with carl getting to know him a little bit obviously pumped about the shooting trip that we're going to do <laughs> um but I, but i i do seriously respect that people have deeply held thought through uh views and uh you know if someone is complementarian in many cases that will be sorry that will be because they have thought about it they've read about it they've prayed about it and 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 so we caricature each other don't we in these debates and these arguments and we say Mm -hmm. oh this guy he's an idiot he thinks you know women shouldn't lead but i can i can see how you could draw that conclusion from scripture so I respect that. And I, and I trust you and the Holy Spirit to figure out your theology. So I think it's really important to start with that. Mm-hmm. However, if you believe that, that sort of men are born to lead and women are born to follow, um, I, I don't think that is borne out by our experience. And I don't know that that is what Scripture says. That's not my reading of Scripture. There are clearly loads of, of women in leadership positions in the Bible, and that is affirmed even when we talked about the fact that the bible is written in a very kind of uh male-led patriarchal context uh i'd stumbled upon two john the other day and there's clearly an example there that whole book of the bible is a letter to a female church leader and there's lots of other kind of uh you know women who play prominent roles especially around jesus let's always make it jesus at the center right so there's always this kind of really interesting interactions that men has with uh, sorry that jesus has with women and and puts them in prominent roles and there are women actually around jesus and the disciples who are paying for the whole thing so clearly like that he had some thoughts as well about whether it was okay for women to work and women to pay okay so you know so i think there's i think for me the the idea that men are born to lead women are born to uh, to follow just isn't 
isn't scriptural and it isn't my experience either. Like you look at how the COVID-19 crisis, wow, we got almost all the way through without saying that word, uh, mm. has been handled by different leaders. And you look at how like the absolute mess made of it by Britain's, you know, blundering uh, prime minister. And then the job that was done by, say, uh, the, the, the Kiwi, the New Zealand uh, prime minister who's a woman. So I think we see these great examples of women leading in our in our day as well. Um, but I think when you grow up under, and this is the last thing I'll say, but I think the problem is when you grow up under that teaching, it has to, it has to shape your view of women and it shapes your view of women as weaker and less able and inferior. And I have a real problem with that. Kyle. I don't see weaker, less able or inferior in any other way because I'm married to a lioness and I am a strict 100% proud complementarian. And whenever I'm in a household that that operates on a complementarian biblical view, the women don't seem subjugated. The the children don't seem as if they're being, you know, uh, mastered over by this authoritarian, tyrannical leader. I see it as an incredibly balanced and, and well-serviced and, and just beautiful environment. And it, I guess one thing just to back up before I get back into my answer, this isn't a salvation issue and people kind of treat it like it is egalitarian versus complementarian. And I just don't see it as it's kind of a second uh, level or a tertiary issue. It's fun to talk about, but I think at some point, you know, when we're all in heaven someday, we'll clink our glasses together and then say, Hey, Martin was right. Or, Hey, Kyle was right. And then we'll have a nice little laugh over it. But I do endorse the model of male headship in the church. And specifically, Matt Chandler is a pastor I've followed for a long time here in the United States. He has a definition for headship, and that is the unique leadership of the man in the work of establishing order for human flourishing. And so for me as a complementarian, I see men and women as completely equal in the eyes of God that have been given distinctly different roles to his glory. Okay, but I will say that men that are angry about egalitarianism have to look at themselves and realize that they're part of the issue because I feel like egalitarianism, and we don't have the time for me to really spell it out any further, began to rise when men began to abdicate their responsibility in the church and their responsibility in the home. Someone was going to fill the gap. You know, you know, someone was going to fill in the vacuum. And in my personal belief is that a lot of liberal theologians have kind of backfilled their their ideas on egalitarianism to give us this this foundation we're supposed to be standing on if you find yourself to be an egalitarian. But I think men have been a big issue with that. But I guess my overall point with complementarianism is I think some people that are on the other side of the issue, they always assume that this is just a power hungry man that just wants everybody to sit down and shut up and do exactly what he says. And that's not what I've seen. I've seen tremendous amount of examples examples of men that operate as with complementarian at the core of their household. And it is a beautiful sight to see. Hmm. Okay. Time for some final thoughts. Um, we haven't really touched on the, the, the title of the show, toxic masculinity. Um, but um, yeah, yeah let, let's just get, get both your, your, your basic answer then at the end of this show to that first question I asked, is toxic masculinity a problem in the church? We'll start with you, Martin. We'll finish with Kyle. Uh, is, is it a problem, Martin? I think it is. I think we have a lot of very bad visions of what it means to be a man. And I'm talking about Trump and, and Harvey Weinstein and, and people like that. Uh, I'm talking about men who commit acts of violence and bullies. Uh, but I'm also talking about, you know, people within the church who who actually just don't reflect the character of Jesus, the humility, the kindness, as we talked earlier about you know, we don't, I don't want to go on about Mark Driscoll, but he was a guy who didn't display great character when it really mattered. And so I think um, we have a character crisis. We have a character problem in the church and it's more of our leaders are men. And so it is a, an issue for men to deal with. Um, I guess what we need, like we really need a good vision of masculinity. And especially as a young man, that's, that's, you know, I'm particularly interested in thinking about young people and how they meet Jesus. And, and I think they need a great role model. They need a great model for masculinity. And yes, we as guys need to provide that as Christian men, but ultimately we need to point them towards Jesus. And I know Carl absolutely hundred percent agrees with that, that he is the ultimate male role model. And just finally to return to something I said earlier on, I think we do a lousy job of illustrating who Jesus really is to young people and actually to adults as well. I think we, we have him as this meek, 
weak guy, uh, you know, in the paintings or whatever with the with the Danish hair that that Carl described. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what Danish hair is, uh, <laughs> but we have, uh, you know, but 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 actually, you know, he would have been a big guy who spent years of his life kind of carrying trees around, and then. He honestly, can I say badass on this um, on this podcast? I don't know, but you he can. Was a I might badass. have to beep it, but yeah, go go ahead. Oh, he was a he was a t- you know in many ways he was a tough guy, and he was an but he was an emotional guy, and he was a friend, and he was a he treated women in the most respectful and brilliant way. And I think well, wherever you sit on on this issue of um, uh, complementarian egalitarian, I think we can all agree that we need a vision of masculinity that's absolutely rooted in the true Jesus. Kyle, final thoughts. When you say true Jesus, I I couldn't agree with that more. And part of the reason why I talk about the Lion of Judah so often, why he's over my shoulder right now, is because we overemphasize the Lamb of God, as I've already talked about. But the idea is not that Jesus was 50% Lamb of God, 50% Lion of Judah. He was 100% Lamb of God and 100% Lion of Judah. And so I think it would be inappropriate to only focus on the Lion. I'm just trying to you know, pull the pendulum back a little bit in the other direction to realize that, yes, this was a rough guy. This was a violent guy. This is a guy that... There's a lot of evidence to suggest he didn't just clear the temple once. He did it twice, once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end of his ministry. This was a very aggressive guy when he felt like sinning was happening around him and whenever people were being mistreated because he takes the Imago Dei very, very seriously. And everyone that Jesus was ever eyeball to eyeball with has the Imago Dei. And we are to respect those people. And to the question of toxic masculinity, I think there is toxic masculinity in the church, but not in the way that Kristen would say and not even in the way that Martin would say. I think it's people that are abdicating their role as leaders within the church and within the household that is creating a more toxic environment, that's creating more people that are just going to sit by and let the, the world happen around them without going into it. And I don't see that from the church fathers. I don't see that from Jesus. And I certainly don't see it from any of the folks from the Old Testament that we would point to as great examples of what a masculine, godly man should be. It's been a fascinating discussion. Thank you very much both uh, for, for doing it tonight. Um, it's, it's, it's been really interesting. Um, again, uh, if you want more from Kyle, undaunted.life is the place to go. Uh, links with today's show. Martin Saunders, do check out the book, The Man You're Made to Be. Uh, youthscape.co.uk is for the website and I'll make sure there's a link there to the book. But for now, Martin and Kyle, thanks for being with me. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that discussion. Please let us know what you thought. Email us at unbelievable at premier.org.uk or leave a comment on our Twitter account at unbelievablefe or on the Premier Unbelievable Facebook page. And do check out our website, premierunbelievable.com. That's premierunbelievable.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week for another unbelievable classic replay.